Blog Talk Radio. Quits 
and goes to work for the competition just days before the Sunshine State Barista Championship, her cafe's chances of winning the contest are creamed. In front of a gossipy crowd in the small Florida town of Devil's Beach, Lana's normally calm demeanor heats to a boil when she runs into the arrogant Java slinger. Of course, Fabrizio Fab Bellucci has a slick explanation for jumping ship, but when he's found dead the next morning under a palm tree in the alley behind Lana's cafe, she becomes the prime suspect. Even the island's handsome police chief isn't quite certain of her innocence, but Lana isn't the only one in town who was angry with Fabrizio. Jilted lovers, a shrimp boat captain, and a surfer with ties to the mob are all suspect as trouble brews on the beach. With her stoned hippie dad, a shih tzu named Stanley, and a new curious barista sporting a punk rock aesthetic at her side, Lana's prepared to turn up the heat to catch the real killer. After all, she is a former award-winning reporter. As scandal hangs over her beachside cafe, can Lana clear her name and win the championship, or will she come to a bitter end? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, Thank Sarah, you. Um, tell us a little bit more about uh, Grounds for Murder. Well, I like to describe the book and the series as a little bit like Carl Hyacin Light. It's Carl Hyacin. <laughs> it's the... It's the Florida man, Florida wackiness without the cynicism and the edge. There's a lot of Florida in the story. Um, There's a lot of, I would say, ripped from the headlines kind of scenarios in the story. One of my favorite scenes is where Lana, she adopts the victim's puppy, Stanley, and they're out walking on the beach and she comes across a giant eyeball that's the size of a softball. And that really happened. That actually happened in Florida, and it was a big news story for about five minutes, and then the next crazy thing happened. Uh, so I kind of tend to I, – I, because I'm a reporter in Florida, uh, I tend to take things that either I've written about or that I've read about and kind of – especially the stranger things uh, and tweak them for my fiction. So it has a lot of that. It's really um, – Grounds for Murder, and I think the whole series is really uh, a series that's very lighthearted obviously it's a cozy mystery so there is murder but it's lighthearted and it, it it's it there's there's romance in it and there's crime solving but it's it, in the end i think it's just a feel good story about um a woman who is trying to just find her way in life and to try to overcome after being beaten up a little bit. She's laid off from a job. She gets divorced. Her mom dies and she comes home and she is just trying to find her footing and she wants a win in life. Like we all do. Yeah, that sounds great. Now you've written, I I think I counted 16, but it it could be more uh, romance novels uh, prior to grounds for murder. Uh, Tell us why you decided to try your hand at mystery um, and yeah. um, why you decided to make your protagonist the owner of a coffee shop? Well, so they're both in the, those. The answers to those are intertwined. So I started writing fiction about six years ago. Um, I needed a story. I wanted to write a story that ended happily, and I love the romance genre. I love 
romance a lot, in fact. Um, and so my very first romance was actually a romantic suspense. And that should have probably told me something that I was really going in the direction of mystery, but I kind of didn't listen to myself or my best friend who said, why aren't you writing crime fiction? That would seem to be a better fit because I've been a crime reporter and reported on a lot of crime in real life for years. Um, so oh, I wrote yeah. a bunch yeah, like I've, I've really like the majority of with the exception of this year and maybe last year, this year because of the pandemic and politics, a lot of my time has been spent in Florida as a crime reporter. I've covered a lot of the, in the last 20 years, I've covered a lot of some of the bigger, biggest crimes here in Florida. Um, and so that's kind of and I used to be, you know, like a at a newspaper at the Tampa Bay Times, an actual police reporter. So I did like the daily sort of grind of going through police reports and talking to police officers and going on ride alongs and such. So that's my default. And when I started writing romance, I was like, I don't want any of that. I only want the happy. I don't want to dwell on anything that I'm doing in my day job. I wanted only sort of the relationship and the emotion. And so I did that and uh -huh. I actually drifted into erotic romance. Um, and the read a finalist was actually for erotic romance, but all of my romances also had a bit of mystery in them. And I, I was uh. traditionally published for my first two books. And then my other books um, I indie published myself. And I was also published oh, okay. on some serial fiction apps. Um, I also uh, I, I also did some serial fiction apps, Radish and Wattpad. And I was gaining traction, especially on Wattpad, which is a platform more for younger readers. It's more of a serial fiction platform. So I started uh -huh. to move all of my romances there. And I'm in the Wattpad paid program. I have a really good situation there uh, where my stories are pitched to movie studios. And I don't have to – more more importantly, they provide an – enormous amount of marketing help to the authors in ways that you don't oh, get if you're an great. indie author. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. So marketing is really not my strong point. And especially because I have a day job, I just, I don't have time to monitor ads and learn new types of ads and new platforms. I, I just, I don't have time for that. So although I love self-promotion on social media, marketing is a whole different thing. So I also um, – I was getting a little burned out on romance in some ways. I um, I think I was getting a little burned out on the, the idea that I took a sabbatical last year, so I wrote uh, five romances in a year, and I realized that if I wanted to make a go of it, I would have to keep up that pace in romance if I wanted to make it my full-time job. And I didn't want to do mm -hmm. that. I didn't want to write books that quickly. It didn't feel right to me. I understand some people can do it and do it really well. For me, it was not – it was not feasible. So I decided that I wanted to try for a traditionally published contract. And I also wanted to try a happy ever after of a different kind. And that was a justice happy ever after. Because I think that in these days, justice is maybe a more important and a more satisfying happy ever after than, an, than a marriage proposal. Um, so I sat down, I was in Quebec City and I was in a coffee shop and I was like, I am going to plot a, a mystery. I'm going to plot a cozy mystery. I wanted the romance in it and I wanted, and, I, and in, in some of my romances, I had written quirky characters and Florida characters and it never really resonated in that genre like I wanted it to. And then I was like, I am writing oh, for the just, wrong people. It wasn't the, the setting 
or the type of right. uh, book that, that just sort of encourages quirky characters. Right. Like I had written a whole series based on a Florida island, and there were quirky things and there were quirky people, and that never resonated with the romance readers. And then I was like, I need to write for cozy mystery readers. I can have some of the romance, and I can have murder, which I'm intimately familiar with because of my job, and I can have the quirkiness. So it's the best of all worlds. And I think that once I wrote the mystery, it felt right. It just felt right. And so now I'm writing the second mystery. I spent this entire year working on the second book and I have a solid draft and that one feels right too. So it just, it's a matter of slipping into what feels right entirely for you. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And I think you've mostly answered my, my next question, but uh, <laughs> just for listeners who aren't as familiar um, you know, I was going to ask you about the, the choosing cozy mysteries, uh, which grounds for murder falls into that subgenre. Mm-hmm. And for our listeners, uh, cozy is defined as crime fiction in which sex and violence occur off stage. The detective is an amateur sleuth, and the crime and detection take place in a small socially intimate community. Now, I I think over the years um, there are lots of books that are also um, still classified as cozies, but they uh, sort of push the boundaries of of all of those uh, subcomponents. But um, even though you uh, really could have done hard-boiled crime, it sounds like, if you wanted to, because of your uh, background as a crime reporter, uh, you still chose the cozy. I did, because I, I, I did want the romance in there, because I do love love stories. I will say, though, that I think that maybe at some point I may try my hand at, at a hard-boiled or a noir I think that it's a matter of working up to it and sort of tapping into that. And I'm not sure that at this particular time in my life, I'm emotionally ready for that in my fiction, maybe in a little while, you know, I've covered some really dark things. I've witnessed 13 executions and I've covered about 11 mass shootings. And I mean, I've covered really, really dark stuff. So I'm not Mm -hmm. super, um, eager to tackle that in a way, although I love, I love noir. I love hard boiled. I love Southern Gothic, but to write it maybe just a little too much for me at the moment. So I'm kind of easing into it with cozy mysteries at this point. Well, I think for many of us, 2020 has been a pretty tough year. So, um, you know, to, to <laughs> embrace the darkness at this point is not necessarily um, the right thing for everybody. That's for sure. Exactly. And I think that cozies just make people feel good, too. Exactly. Yes, they do. They do. They, they, they bring a smile to your face, usually. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of times they have a dog or a cat. And uh, this time you've got a dog, right? Stanley. Yes, Stanley. My, my book has a dog, too, even though they're not cozy. But my books have a dog as well. Nice. Nice. Um, I I know you talked a little bit about your romance novels uh, 
and uh, a lot of the reviews I read called them steamy or hot, hot, hot. Uh, so uh, mm-hmm. was that uh, fun or uh, a stretch to try to write uh, erotic romance? Oh, no, it was super fun. It was super fun. And I actually, I love I, I love writing. In fact, I am actually still writing. I have an, an erotic romance serial happening on Wattpad right now that I update once a week, oh, okay. a chapter a week. And so for my Wattpad readers, they get a treat for that. And it's, and it's, it's a crazy romp. Um, it's like a soap opera kind of, and it, I love writing it. Um, I think that just to publish it, I think the market is just super competitive and really hard to break into. And I don't, um, it, it was just, it was sort of too much to deal with, but I love writing it. One of my stories was in Best Women's Erotica. In fact, that was the hardest part about writing the cozy is to not amp it up with, you know, the sex and the emotion. That was the hardest part about uh-huh. writing the cozy for me. Try to keep it at a little level above that. Yeah. Uh, many levels above that. <laughs> Yes, they don't even kiss in my first book, so that's a big departure from my other books. And that's the other reason oh, wow. why I'm writing. My real name is Tamara. My my real name is Tamara Lush. That's like the name I was given at birth. So I'm kind of uh-huh. born to be a romance writer. Um, that's a very romance writery name. So it, it is my really. publisher and I. When, um, yeah. When when I first. <laughs> um, saw your name um i thought is that her uh is that a uh, pseudonym you know your your writing nope. name and then it turned out it's like no that's your real name so yeah nope, it is, that's my real you were name. destined for romance yeah I, I was yeah i um you know i my publisher and i crooked lane and i we decided to do the mysteries under a slightly different name because uh-huh. i understand that people who read cozies especially are wary of romance writers coming in and writing, you know, and, and putting, you know, sex and other things in the books. And I, I didn't want people to think that I wanted, I wanted there to be a clearly defined brand and I wanted people to understand that they would not be getting this other content with my cozies. So that's why I, I just shortened my real name by two letters. Yeah. And that makes sense. That, that, that's a great solution. Well, we've talked a lot about your fiction writing, um, but while you're writing mystery and romance, uh, you're also a journalist, a reporter for the Associated Press. Um, Can you tell our listeners, uh, do you have a a broad focus for your reporting? Do you specialize in some way? I I noticed that uh, you did win an award for environmental reporting. Yeah, that was for the BP oil spill. I was part of a team um, that we looked at uh, BP's plans for the oil spill. Um, I, you know, I'm kind of a generalist in a way, although this year I think we're all covering the pandemic and politics. At the moment, I'm mostly mm-hmm. covering the, the, the election. Um, I'm writing stories about different voting demographics. So, like, for instance, this week I'm writing about um, senior citizen voters in Florida and how they're going to vote in the upcoming election. Um, so I, that's been a focus, and the pandemic's been a focus, obviously, because Florida, there's been a lot going on. Um, and I'll do some protest coverage, too, when it happens. Um, but in a normal year, I, I mean, it's hard to say, because in Florida there is no normal year. But um, I've covered a lot of hurricanes. 
you know, and I also cover a fair bit of breaking news, but I, you know, my, technically my territory is the West coast of Florida, Florida's Gulf coast. Um, but, you know, I kind of do anything. And, and before the pandemic, I would travel uh, a lot in the Southeast and especially all over Florida and sometimes the rest of the nation for stories. Yeah, it sounds really interesting. Um, and and uh, during all of your reporting, and, and you talked earlier about your days as more specializing in crime reporting, you, you certainly encounter, uh, I'm sure, a lot of people in unique situations. How much of that makes it its way into your books? Um, any or all or? I would say a lot of it. I mean, especially in terms of the crime, I, I would say that um, I, I think that's what I find so intriguing about writing mysteries and also kind of in a way easy for writing mysteries because I feel like I have um, a, an instinct for how a crime unfolds because I've written about so many of them. So, you know, when someone mm-hmm. is murdered – something happens and then more things happen and then there's an autopsy and then arrests happen. You know, there crimes unfold in a certain way. There are certain patterns to crime and certain patterns to how things happen and how they unfold afterward, especially when you're, when you're a reporter, you think about that. You think, you know, you learn to think and feel the patterns of what will happen. Like there's the arraignment uh, or there's the first appearance and there's the autopsy and then the toxicology report. And so, I think that that makes crime fiction maybe a little easier for me. And I'm really happy Mm -hmm. when I see, like when I've seen the reviews for grounds for murder, when a couple of people have written, you know, this seems very realistic to me. That makes me really happy. You know, especially when I'm writing about when, when I'm writing sort of a lighthearted mystery where, you know, there's an eyeball found on the beach from a swordfish, you know, like crazy Florida stuff. People do say it, it seems realistic. And I think that's because I understand it. Sometimes I read crime fiction, especially in cozies. And I think that people feel sometimes writers will do things like have somebody poison. And then the next day the police find out that she, you know, know exactly which poison is being used, which would never happen because it would take weeks for a toxicology report. And I understand right. that you have to speed things up and do things for fiction, but there is a bit of realism that can be injected into our fiction, I think. So I try to hold fast to that when I write. Yeah, I agree with you. I think um, this is one of the things I try for, maybe not in quite the, the gritty detail that, that you're talking about um, in terms of procedures of crimes, but I, I, I'm always striving so that the reader doesn't jump out of the story for a minute and say, hey, wait a minute, this would never happen this way, um, because exactly. I think then you've lost them, even if temporarily. And then that takes away from the suspense or the mood that you're trying to build. So I, I think you're making a really, really good point. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as a reporter, you like, obviously, my heroine's a reporter, so sort of the theme of the story is she her coffee shop is called purgatory that's that's the name of her coffee shop and it's set on the island of devil's beach and so in each in each book she's trying to get back to journalism but she can't it's kind of her own personal purgatory she wants to go back to journalism after being laid off but various things are preventing her from doing it and and she's sort of kind of writing for the local paper 
And so she's doing all of these aggressive, you know, big city reporting tactics. And yet she's never quite able to get back into journalism. Yeah, uh, and that's actually but what a not an unrealistic situation these days as um yes. journalist newspapers are closing and um laying off staff. So, um that in itself is very realistic as well. Yes, definitely. Uh, I I see I wanted to ask you about this because it sounded so interesting. Um your bio says that you're an Amtrak fellow, and that really piqued my interest. Can you tell me about that program, what it is? Yeah, actually. um, So in 2016, I was one of 26, 25 people chosen to be an official Amtrak fellow. I don't know if they have that anymore, but at one point Amtrak had a program for writers and you could apply and get a fellowship, and they would pay for you to travel around the country on a train and write. And so in January of 2017, I got on a train in Florida near Orlando, and I went to New York and then to Chicago and then to California, to San Francisco, and then to Los Angeles, and then to New Orleans. I traveled around for two weeks. I did a project for the Associated Press. Yeah, it was amazing. And I also finished the book that ended up finally in the readers on the train. Um, And I wrote, and I wrote around on the train. I stopped. I wasn't, it wasn't nonstop. I would stop in places. I stopped to visit friends, and I got off the train, and then I got back on the train. And um, Uh I talked to to people and did a story uh, for the AP about people on the train. It was right around the time of the inauguration. So I kind uh-huh. of did a little kind of a man on the train, man on the street kind of thing. And um, it was really, really unbelievably beautiful. It was, a, it was a wonderful trip. I had a little tiny sleeper car and I hung out and I wrote and it was just, it was, it was really, I would highly recommend doing, some people do what they call, you know, an Amtrak fellowship on their own. Uh, they just take a train uh-huh. and go and write. And I would highly recommend it because it, there's no internet on large swaths of the country. So you're forced to just absorb the atmosphere and write. Sounds like a really interesting experience. Oh, it was, huh. it was I'll have really to look great. into I, it, I, if it if it, the yeah. program still exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or if you get a chance to take a train from, you know, New York, Chicago to the West Coast through the Rockies, it's beautiful. Yeah, actually, um, my husband and I thought of doing a, uh, the train that goes across Canada a couple of years mm. ago, and we, for the time we wanted to do it, it was totally booked. Um, so we ended up mm. doing a Canadian Rockies tour instead, and that and that was fun um, being on yeah. the train. But uh, we may someday try the across the country thing as well. Definitely, nice, nice, highly recommended. Um, you, you've talked a lot about already about your uh, Florida, uh, and I, I'll mention that there seems to be an entire cottage industry of mystery writers who live in Florida. You know, everyone from uh, like my favorite author, perhaps ever, John D. McDonald, who wrote the Travis McGee books. Uh, you mentioned Carl Hieson, um, who writes mm-hmm. the hilarious cl- comic, but sort of dark um, novels about mm-hmm. uh, the, 
Sunshine State, and you know many more that I could mention. Um, do, do you think Florida has? Uh, I mean, Florida's the place setting or the the setting for your um, novels, most of them, or tropical settings. But do you think Florida, as a almost as a character, seeps into your novels as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I and I intend for it to be that way because Florida is just this outsized place that is is both a reality and it's this it, it, it's in everybody's imagination. Everybody has an idea of what they think Florida is like, whether it's a paradise or a hell. And I try to play on that in every all of my stories. It works better in cozy mystery to play on that, though. I think. Um, I, I think it works really well in cozy mystery and I'm, I'm excited to do more cozies based in Florida. I have lots of ideas for mysteries in Florida, but yeah, there's a long legacy of mystery writers, um, especially newspaper people turned mystery writers here in Florida. Yes. Yeah. It's like everybody goes to Florida and suddenly becomes a mystery writer. <laughs> it's true. Edna or Buchanan, all mystery writers in Florida. I'm not sure which. Right. There's, there, it's, it's an inspiring place. You know, it, the thing is, um, fiction will never be – the truth will always be stranger than fiction here, always. And, and I've written things in books that have the basis in truth, and, my, and some readers will say, well, that could never happen. And, of course, it did because it's Florida. Yeah, you know, I think not only Florida. That's uh, with what's going on today, just in in general in uh, the our world and in politics. It's like y- you can't write fiction anymore because real life is weirder than fiction. Um, it's, it's r- true. Really presenting a challenge for writers uh, across the board. It's true. It's true. But I think Florida pioneered it. I and and usually all I, of those I think so. I, I think somehow... my, um, Florida. <laughs> Definitely holds the prize. It's going to take a long time before anybody knocks Florida yeah. out of contention. Yeah. Well, so uh, yeah, I have a couple more questions, Stephanie. but we yeah. actually yes. have run out of time, Sarah. Oh, um, no. So uh, let me ask you first, is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners about your book? Um, mention where to find it, how to follow you on social media. Uh, it comes out on December 8th from Crooked Lane Books. You can pre-order it now on any of your favorite uh, uh, platforms uh, or at Powell's Bookstore uh, and or Penguin Random House uh, website. And I'd love for everybody to read it. And if they'd like to check out my website, taralush.com, I have a free novella also. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Uh, best of luck for gra- on uh, Grounds for Mystery uh, when it comes out. Uh, and then it sounds like you're already hard at work on the, the next in the series, plus some other things. Um, I'd say as a reminder to our readers, um, uh, my books are also available at uh, Sunbury Press's online bookstore, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, all the uh, online retailers. And I want to thank everybody for listening to Milford House Mysteries. We hope you enjoyed today's program. Our next podcast will be on October 29th uh, when we'll be interviewing another mystery author. And uh, Joan West should be back by then. 
Um, in the meantime, if you want to listen to any of our previous podcasts uh, that you may have missed, just search Milford House Mysteries on the BookSpeak Network. And a reminder, we're now available on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Um, also, I'm on the web at www.sherrynolton.com. So thanks for tuning in. Thank you so much, Tara Lush, for um, spending an interesting half hour with us. And we'll talk to you all again. Until next time.